Today I know I need a break from the news. I need a break from the fear. I need to refresh myself in God's word and with God's people. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. So today, let's take that break. Let's break away from the news and be encouraged by by music and God's word. You are here moving in the midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship. Darkness, my God, that is who you are. 
do this very often, turning the program into music and some readings from God's Word, 
to share with you some thoughts that are on my mind. But after a year, over a year now, of doing this program, Truth to Ponder, as I said earlier this week, you begin to be weighted down by all the bad news. It's so easy to put the television on and listen to what the newscasters have to say. And they always do it in such a way as to give you the greatest amount of fear. Whether it's the pandemic or politics, it doesn't matter. We are constantly being barraged with bad news. And I know there's a lot of bad news in this world today. We've said it a thousand times on this program. I firmly believe that this world is going to come into a a time of great tribulation and difficulty. I look at the news headlines. Places like Italy demanding that everybody be vaccinated or your paycheck disappears. They're going to starve you to death to get the vaccine. I'm not going to talk about the vaccine today. I will on Monday. I have some stories to share. People don't know what to do. They see their livelihood being threatened. Here in the United States, healthcare workers, many are quitting their jobs because they don't feel comfortable taking something that is still mostly experimental. And honestly, I don't blame them. Yet for all of us in this time of a pandemic and all of the things we're going through, could there be war in China? Could there be uneasiness in Europe? What about the Middle East? What about Afghanistan? What about the borders here in the United States? There are so many crises surrounding us. As individuals, we oftentimes feel helpless. What can I do? How am I going to survive? And so many people that claim the name of Christ today, they look at this and they say, Lord, what if, what if this is the great tribulation? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to care uh, for my responsibilities? What will happen to my, my income? Where I live? How I eat? It is so short-sighted that many Christians, and look, even myself, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and wonder about the same things. How do we make it all come together? How do we make it all work? How do we survive if there is, as I firmly believe, there is no escape hatch, there is no rapture that many are hoping for? What if we are caught up? in this turbulent time like the early Christians were caught up in those first centuries being hunted down, persecuted, even killed for their faith. The problem with many Western Christians were not willing to give up anything much for the faith we have or supposed to have in Jesus Christ. He demands true followers, not like a Facebook or Twitter follower. He wants people to really follow him. Take up their cross and follow him. If you try to think this out with your mind and try to work it out on your own, failure is always inevitable. 
I look at this radio program. When I started it because God led me to do it, I didn't know if it would survive more than two or three months, but here we are, over a year. God has blessed this program. The thing is, too many Christians are looking at what they can do and not what God can do. They fail to understand the promises of seeking Him first, and all these things will be added unto you, because they forget that God can make a way. God make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. that truly love Jesus Christ, for those that he calls his own, God will make a way when there seems to be no 
way. I'll be 67 years old next month. And I thought I saw a lot of turmoil in my life. My father talked about what it was like to serve in the Second World War. My grandparents about the Depression and even the First World War. Yet things today are a little bit different. Because we're fighting new battles, new fears on our own shores. Now, I'm not going to spend any time on this, but the worldwide pandemic has been a point of fear for many. And they're looking at government as their savior to save them from the virus. They're looking at science to save them. They're looking at vaccines. They're they're reaching out almost in desperation. They want to get their life back, but they're not seeing the bigger picture. There's a lot more to this than just the virus. We know it came from questionable sources of people playing with coronaviruses. And somehow, whether by accident or design, it was unleashed and it has gone worldwide. And governments are in panic mode trying to become virus free, which will never happen. We're desperately trying experimental therapies to save ourselves. And there are those that are highly opposed to taking something they don't fully understand that is being literally forced upon them by mandates in many places. Work in the medical field, you better get the shot. Work in a school, you better get the shot. Work in certain industries, you're going to have to get the shot. Over and over, the pressure is being tightened. There are those in Washington that are saying, hey, why don't we tell the retirees that are that are not getting the vaccination, we're going to take away your Social Security and Medicare. There are those that are actually proposing that. In Italy, they're saying if you don't get the vaccine, no paycheck for you no matter where you work at. You're never allowed to work until you get vaccinated. And you've only got about a month or less to do it. Why? Where is this fear coming from? And why, since the vaccine has been available, are the case numbers skyrocketing? They don't, there's a disconnect. And many Christians look at all of this and say, Lord, what should I do? How are you going, how am I going to survive? How would you survive the mark of the beast when that time comes? I believe for the last 10 years, God has started this very progressively increasing process of separating the sheep from the goats. Now, I'm not saying that getting the vaccine is an automatic, you're a goat. I also believe something that I've studied over the years, that nobody will accidentally take a mark of anything. When the Antichrist shall come, I believe everybody will fully know what they're doing when they do it. Quick little story that a friend of mine shared. This goes back to the Second World War. And it was in a part of the world we now know as uh, Czechoslovakia. There were a group of of monks at at an Orthodox monastery. And they were a very praying group, 
very scriptural group. And as the Nazis were approaching their region, word came out that the Nazis would take over their monastery and probably put them in prison because of their opposition to the Nazi party. And during a night of prayer, these monks got together and one of them said, I just feel the time to leave is tonight in the darkness. Let's get all the things of importance, all the writings, all the books we need to to preserve. And let's head to the forest. And so after they prayed about it, they realized that sounded like something they need to do. They had no destination in mind. But they left their monastery and walked in the darkness. And before dawn, they found this cave. And they went inside this cave. It was much larger than it would appear from the outside. And it was warm. It was dry. And there they decided to set up camp, at least for the day. They ended up staying in that cave for the next two years. And during that time, the Nazis had taken over their monastery. Yet God preserved them in that cave. God provided food. God provided everything. It just seemed to appear at the door of the cave, yet they were undisturbed by all the Nazi troops around them for two years. And when the time was right, they returned to their monastery. And the Germans had not destroyed it. See, for them, in that time, God made a way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think of him. He's, his greatest quote to the church is this about cheap grace. Now, quickly, before I tell you what he said, he was born in 1906, was a youngster during the First World War. His family was considered very liberal in theology, much like many of our mainline churches are today in the United States and Canada and everywhere else, and Germany included, and and Sweden, wherever. When he announced he was a very prolific piano player, too, in his teens, that he wanted to become a real ordained minister, his parents were very upset. They they thought, they are, like I say, very liberal in their theology, and he wasn't. He's the one that coined the phrase, cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. It is grace without the cross. It is grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And I think of many churches today that say, well, maybe the resurrection wasn't real. Maybe Jesus was just a nice man. There are actual church pastors in big churches that believe that. I remember early in my ministry in Florida, I had a website for the church way back in 1999, I believe, maybe 2000. 
and I had an email address, and I got this email from an Episcopal priest in Tampa, Florida that somehow discovered the website and asked, how could I believe all this silly Bible stuff? And I said, how can you be an Episcopal priest? He goes, I'm an atheist, but I love organ music and a nice paycheck. That is the state of much of the church today. People in the 20th century, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, were executed for their faith. We don't want to be executed for our faith here in America. We don't even want to give up our comfort for the church, let alone, let alone our life. But in all of it, God will take care of us, take us through it. One of my favorite hymns, by the way, some of the music I'll play in the second half of the program would be very different than what you've heard. This is quite a variety, and I've got another story to share on the other side of the break in about in a little while that I, I really want you to stick through this program today if you can. One of my favorite hymns from the Reformation oftentimes is not well known. It is called Thy Strong Word. And too many Christians today don't believe in God's word. They don't believe there's power in God's word. They look at their own abilities. So many people look at their own comfort and what they have, what they think they're putting at risk. They don't understand the power, the life-changing power of God's word. One of my favorite hymns from what's called the period of the Reformation is, Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. This is Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would seek to overthrow your son and to destroy what he has done. Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of Lords alone. Defend your Christendom that we may sing your praise eternally.
keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would seek to overthrow your Son and to destroy what he has done. What a powerful message in that song. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. In times such as these, worldwide fear and pandemic, freedoms disappearing, churches in fear, where stand you? Where do you stand in all of this? Do you trust God to get you through this time the way he has in mind for you? We started our program today looking at God as a promise keeper, a way maker. And many people forget that God never breaks his promise. I want to thank those of you that support this radio program each and every week. I'm not going to talk too much about it today, but if you do want to help us out to keep this on radio, our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, our secure box in Sky Valley, Georgia, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. We'll take a break and we shall return on the other side. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The last mystery in a moment. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Today we conclude the Tabernacle Mysteries. Now the sacred Hebrew year ended with Chag Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the great and joyous celebration that concluded everything. It was the end. Now the Feast of Tabernacles is all about heaven. And the last mystery, therefore, is joy. Just as the Hebrew year concluded with the Feast of Tabernacles, so does the Bible in the book of Revelation. And so does the universe. So does the cosmos. Because for God's people, the end is celebration. The end is joy and love and peace. You see, in the world, well, the world offers you its joys and its parties, but they all grow old, stale, and empty. But God is planning a better party. You see, Tabernacles reveals that the way of righteousness always ends with joy, real joy, full joy, a joy that grows and lasts to the last and beyond. Messiah's way, the way of Jesus, even when it seems hard, is really the way of joy in disguise. The way of love and sacrifice and purity and repentance and forgiveness, they all contain the mystery of joy. A mystery because you don't see it at first, but it always comes if you hold on. They all end in celebration. Messiah didn't come so you'd be miserable, but so you'd have joy and that your joy would be complete and lasting. God saves the best for last. And he's got something wonderful prepared for you, my friend, because his last mystery for his people is joy. So my friend, keep walking the good path until you get it. And I'll see you at the Feast of Tabernacles in the kingdom of heaven. Want more? Ask for the last joy. 
Now the free gift for you, from the sands of the Judean wilderness to the wings of the cherubim, that Jesus is the Messiah, the mystery long hidden is now revealed, the mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll have joy. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to minister with me bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and the unreached peoples of all nations of five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1, Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, it's box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. This half hour, I'm going to change gears just a little bit. I want to share some, some things from my heart, things that are personal to me. I don't often share a whole lot about myself on this program. Those that may remember the weekend show might remember a few things that I've said over the years about my my personal life. I will tell you that during the month of September, it all begins on August 30th and goes all the way into October. It just takes me back to a time. It is a time that is still to this day, as much as God has restored me, has empowered me, has cared for me, it's still a time of some fond and oftentimes some sad memories. Back in 1975, as a young guy from New York that had moved to the South, I was raised Lutheran, so I I really love the old, shall we say, hymns of the church that go back like three and four hundred years. But moving South, I got exposed to a different kind of music very quickly and I I enjoyed it and I learned to love it got married to a southern gal who was a Baptist who loved her Baptist hymnal songs like you're hearing standing on the promises or you washed in the blood those were important hymns to her and when we did get married she indifference to me followed me into my Lutheran church a Missouri Synod Lutheran church and that's where we attended for years. Then I worked for a Bible college in Tocoa, Georgia, a Christian and Missionary Alliance school. And it's there that I made the transition to being Anglican. And I can remember her, her telling me that after this, I'm not changing again. And she supported me in my ministry and the studies and the hard work and the travel and the sacrifices it takes to be prepared for ordination, which occurred in 1996. And for the first several years of our ministry, I traveled to church to church. We had churches literally three and four hours away that we took care of. 
We would drive out on a Saturday, come back on a Sunday afternoon, and back at work on Monday. That was our life in the mid part of the 1990s. And then in 1998, I took a mission church in Florida. That mission grew. God blessed it beyond my imagination. I never thought we'd see a building, but we did. Never thought we'd see stained glass windows and a pipe organ, but we did. God provided for that church. And my late wife, see, I lost her during that time in 2004. She came down with cancer and she fought it valiantly. And I lost her. But I always think of the music that she loves. The music that she was raised on. She loves some of that Southern gospel music. And I learned to love it too. Oh yeah, I love a mighty fortress. I love a massive pipe organ. But there are times that some good old Southern gospel can clear the mind and give you joy. And in times like these, we need some happiness. We need something to give us joy. And we can find it. Just say, Lord, open my heart and my eyes and my ears.
it's hard to believe it was 17 years ago this past week that I lost her and planned her funeral. But I remember she told me that when her parents had died, I never met them, there was this one hymn that she loved that was used at both, and I made sure that it was included in hers. Some glorious morning sorrow will cease Some glorious morning all will be peace Heartaches all ended School days all done Shout the victory, break through the blue, some golden day break for me, for you. Sad hearts will gladden, all shall be bright, goodbye forever. Dark night changed in a moment like him to be oh glorious daybreak Jesus I'll see some golden daybreak Jesus will come some Shout the victory, break through the blue, some golden day break for me, for you. Oh, what a meeting there in the skies, no tears, no Child in our eyes, loved ones united eternally. Oh, what a daybreak that morn will be! Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some
This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Do you know what expression appears in the Bible 365 times? Let me say that again. What expression do you find in the Bible 365 times? One for every day of the year. The expression is fear not. Fear not. It appears in the Bible more times than many of the things we grasp onto. And maybe those of us that claim to be followers of Christ need to take this on for ourselves to fear not. We worry too much about all the problems in this world. And part of what I do on this radio program, yeah, I do bring you the news quite a bit on the program Truth to Ponder. I try to give you an idea of where things are headed because let's be honest. We are heading for a day of destiny with our Lord Jesus Christ. As that old Baptist hymn you just heard a moment ago say, some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Not might, not may, not a possibility, he will come. See, today the biggest problem I think the church is facing are the wolves in sheep's clothing. There are a lot of false prophets and false teachers that want you to believe that they themselves only have the answer. You know, every time I run into somebody that claims to be some kind of prophet of God, and they predict the end of the world, we've seen that happen numerous times, or they allow people on their television or radio programs to to allude to a time frame. I can remember, well, I guess it was 2015, a place that I was working. They bought this prophetess on. I'm not going to play any of it. But that prophetess said that we had until August to prepare or it's too late. Because we could not prepare for bad times ahead after August of 2015. That's six years ago. And that same person that made that claim is still out there making others. There's a lot of false doctrine out there. Some things that I've heard some so-called ministers say go against God's word. For example, if God makes a promise, do you think that God will break his promise to you? I started the program today with the song Waymaker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. We lose sight of that sometimes, that God makes promises. Even though we may break the covenant with God, God is not the one that breaks the covenant with us. He's patient. Even Israel is the apple of his eye to this day, and those that tell you otherwise are preaching a false and dangerous doctrine. Sure, the state of Israel today is very secular, very sinful and breaks the heart of God, but the promise is still there and his hand will still work 
against those that raise their hand up against his chosen. I'm thinking this past week. In the United States, appropriations bills. A lot of people wanted to take out what's called the Iron Dome. It's a defensive weapon against the rockets being fired into Israel. And several people in the United States Congress hate Israel so much they want that gone. They want Israel destroyed. God will deal with them. 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets and teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I see in many of the former bulwark Protestant churches, they've abandoned the truth. Many deny the resurrection, the virgin birth. So much of scripture is being denied. Now is the time to get deep into God's holy word. Do the work that God has given you to do and remember that he tells you to fear not. And when that day comes, Jesus will call you home. I heard the
matter what difficulty you're going through, God can see you through it. Put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, and He will get you through the hard times ahead. Hey, got time for one more great song. Time is filled with swift transitions.
listen, I hope you've enjoyed this different type of program for today for Truth to Ponder. I just felt I needed to have a break from all the bad news. We'll get back to the news. We'll look at God's word again next week. We'll put it all back into perspective. But here's what I'm going to encourage you to do this weekend. Get back into God's word. If you're uncomfortable, if you have fear, leave it at the cross. Say, Lord, forgive me a sinner. Restore me, empower me, and encourage me. Until next week, may God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.